0: For podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and
1: Condon.
2: Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Welcome back, 11 o'clock hour, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you until noon. In about 10 minutes or thereabouts, Rob Doster, NBCSports.com College Basketball Talk Uh, will join us. We'll go around college basketball with Rob as we will going forward every Monday now through the uh, Championship Monday. Uh, And then bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman is going to slide on in. We will talk Iowa, the Hawkeyes with Scott Dockerman uh, coming up at about 11.30. Speaking of the Hawkeyes, although I don't think it's completely done yet, but just to give you the list. Listener, a little bit of a heads up. We have four tickets to give away to Iowa versus Michigan a week from Friday. Mm-hmm. That's the 17th, Trent, right? That eight. is correct, yes. Tip-off is 8 o'clock. Uh, thank you to our friend, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. It's the same contest as we did throughout the uh, the football season. Uh, we've got a, a couple of different games to give away during the basketball season, but a four-pack not two, you can win four tickets to see Michigan versus Iowa. I know that the banner's up at com, mm-hmm. so it's a work in progress. They're getting it. But simply, here's here's how we're going to do it. It's um, total points, Iowa versus Maryland this Friday night, closest without going over. If you're that person, you'll win four tickets. If there are a couple of you, we're going to go to a tiebreaker, and our tiebreaker is going to be Luka Garza, combined points and rebounds, In this Friday's game, again against Maryland, again, that'll be closest without going over. So uh, you can enter kxno.com. The contest will close at 6 p.m. on Friday. So a pretty good chance to win four ducats to see Michigan and the Hawks. Pretty marquee matchup. Actually, next couple of Fridays right uh, at Carver. Pretty good.
1: Maryland this week and uh, Michigan the following week. Chance to win four tickets.
0: Six o'clock for Maryland, eight o'clock for Michigan, You got it,
1: yes. Yeah,
0: so four tickets to give away to the Michigan game on the 17th of January. That's an eight o'clock tip on a Friday night, KXNO.com. All right, real quick on this, Trent. How sick of the Tom Brady willie or won't he remain a patriot or where's he going story. You're sick well, of this already? No, I'm not. I, oh, I love okay. it. I love these things. Um I do. Um but I but I'm in the minority. Yeah. I think that a if if Tom Brady would have paid, played for maybe anybody else but the Patriots, I think there'd
1: be maybe some more slack given. But he made the Patriots. The Patriots stunk or did Belichick? Well, they or they they made, yes. they made think of that organization. It was a laughing stock. They got mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and got beat 46-10 in 1985 season, yeah. the 86 Super Bowl. Right. This was an Got awful there in 1990 franchise. after the 96 season. They were on their way they were ticketed to St. Louis. Mm. They were going to leave mm-hmm. New England, Foxborough. Mm-hmm. They had to get a new stadium. You go way back to the beginning, they're still playing in that dump of a stadium in Foxborough before Gillette was built. Yeah. This was an awful organization.
3: Macherin.
1: So I don't think Steve it's Grogan. I don't think it's the Patriots because They made what the Patriots are. The hatred is because of how they've been now for the last two decades, and how good. Hey, you have to respect them.
0: I don't care what anybody says; no one will convince me otherwise that you shouldn't have to respect. Look at the run; we'll
1: never see this again, and I'm okay with that. By the way, tell me how I should feel as a Bears fan about the possibility of Brady of Brady going to
0: Chicago. Trent, I think you should be giddy. I think he's got football left, and I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I really do. Now. He has no weapons, no, none whatsoever. How about the Edelman drop? Oh my God! It How looked big like was they that?
1: were going to. Yes, 16, 14 yes. Good night, drive home safely. Here we go. See in right. Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It just it felt inevitable. Mm-hmm. Felt so inevitable. I might have made a live wager. Yeah, on the Patriots on the money line. It just sounds like you did. It, it felt like that's the way this. And then Edelman drops yeah. the ball. It never it never happens. Who who was the was it West Welker? I
0: think it was welker in a big spot in a playoff game when welker was still a patriot yes. was it Welker it wasn't Amendola. it was welker wasn't it i think they both did but yes i the and, welker won and the patriot nation oh hang on a second tua is about to come to the stage here oh, he is here we
1: go Breaking. we are
0: live all right what's your bet go
1: ahead what's your bet is he's he, gone he's gone to the nfl he's gone He's got the Coke bottle up in front of him. Well, as Nick Saban always does. Yeah,
0: Saban, the Dasani, and the and the Coke bottle. We can't hear it because we do you have sound in yours. Uh, yeah. I we, uh, we don't have it on sound in this studio, at least that I can figure out. I think you do. Do I? I think you do. You just got to hit the volume button. <laughs> is that all it is? <laughs> Why do you keep embarrassing me like this? I do a good enough job of that on my own. Uh, he's the number three prospect on the board, according to Mel T- Kuiper, and I agree with that. It's going to be.
1: Uh, Do you have the uh, no closed caption? I don't.
0: So it's going to be Burrow, Young
1: that I will be declaring
0: and entering the 2020 draft. He's in. He's done. He's up. Right call. Good for you, Tua. Yep. Off he goes. Miami, L.A. or Carolina. LA. He's not getting by those three. L.A. Boy, that'd be a big splash. So would they keep Rivers? No. Do you don't think they would keep him?
1: He Retires. He walks. Well, no, I don't think he wants to. Could they talk to him? What I think you talk him into one more year because he wants to play perfect, one more as year. I think it is, right? I think it is. And then Phil Rivers can tell him how to yell at people yeah. without swearing. <laughs> right. It'll be great.
0: That's a perfect scenario. It is. Tua, you made the right call. Good for you. If all it's
1: right. Miami, do they keep Fitz around for Yeah, Yes. Year? Think, well,
0: he wants to play another year. He does. He wants to Look play another year. Look at all these year. old quarterbacks. I know. But Josh McCown, McCown- was, he's 40. I know. I couldn't believe that My, he was coaching high school football to start the year.
1: My wife asked me, po- "That was the the crappy Bears guy." I'm like, "Yeah, that was a crappy Bears guy." He's been
0: a, he's been a crappy fill in the blank guy in a lot of stuff. And then
1: I started naming some of them, and then well, I had to bring up Wikipedia and go through all of them, and we're just chuckling. There's 11 teams, 11 mm. of the 32. You know how much money he made? 50 million. It's not a bad gig. Good huh? for you. Good for you. Yeah, he was
0: distraught after the game. It might have been, might have been his last game. Yeah. You know he played uh, so well. He did. I in did, those
1: circumstances, it
0: did look as though he was going to score. And Clowny got by open, the way, the clowny yes. hit on uh, on Carson Wentz. Ugly.
1: That's ugly. That is
0: ugly. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Rob Doster will join us to a foregoing his senior season and off to the NFL draft. All right, Trent, it's time to pay some bills with iHeart and 1460KX and O. Text the keyword BALL to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's BALL to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. BALL to 200-200. We'll come back with Rob Doster, NBCSports.com, talking college basketball with Rob, as Trent and I take you until noon. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14... xO X&O. <laughs> Ken Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. 15, maybe 20 minutes away, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic on Iowa. Rob Doster joins the program for the first of many weeks in a row, and we're grateful for that. Rob Trenton, Ken in Des Moines, thank you, sir. NBCSports.com, College Basketball Talk is where you can read Rob. You can find his picks. Where are your picks? You were 8-0 this week. That's unbelievable. Are you selling Aww. those or giving them away?
2: I was, first of all, I was 9-0 because they also got Michigan State minus 9.5 on Sunday in the Best Sets column, which you can find on my Instagram page, rob.doster. But anyways, guys, i just, you know, you, you cut me off there because I was going to make a joke about how I'm storming into, into this interview like my name is El Nino making the Sum 41 joke, but uh, <laughs> but you stole my thunder there, man.
0: <laughs> well, it was week one where we'll, we'll get more chemistry uh, here in, in the weeks to come. <laughs> uh, I promise to do that. You know, speaking of chemistry, um, as, as we segue to what we've seen so far, it, it's been unbelievable, right? Can you recall a season so far where, you know, one team that looks as though they're going to establish themselves as clearly, if not the team to beat, but certainly in the conversation amongst the best team. There's been more carnage in college basketball, Rob Doster, than I can recall. How about you?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird year, man. You know, the, the I, I saw a stat the other day that there have been uh, 10 top five teams that have lost to unranked teams uh, this season after Ohio State lost to Wisconsin on Friday night. And that at this point in time, last year there wasn't a single top five team that had lost Mm. to a uh, an unranked team, which just kind of sums up everything that's going on with this college basketball season. And um, you know, honestly, it kind of makes sense to me, and uh, I'm sure Iowa fans will understand what I'm about to to be getting at because there were 87 underclassmen that went pro uh, last season, last spring, that had eligibility remaining that could have come back to school and. We watch this Iowa team now. And we see how well they're playing. You see uh, Joe Wieskamp making all those shots, and you see Luca Garza huffing and puffing up and down the floor, <laughs> and putting thirty-four and twelve points, uh, thirty-four points and twelve boards on everyone. And all I can imagine is just how good would they be if Tyler Cook was still there, right? Yeah. You uh, you watch a team like Tennessee play, and how they have all these point guard issues. And I just think to myself, how good could they be if Jordan Bowen was still there, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, like Creighton is uh, a team that is really missing good, an interior presence and shot blocking some uh, an ability to rebound. And how good would they be if Martin is still there? And you, you can go on and on and on and on down the list of all these guys. And you combine that with the fact that not only is this a down year for freshmen, like this freshman class is not as good as most freshman classes are, but James Wiseman isn't playing anymore. Cole Anthony isn't playing anymore. RJ Hampton didn't go to Kansas. He went to Australia. You know, a little metal ball, is not playing college basketball. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards is at Georgia. Isaiah Stewart is at Washington. And, and what you get is a year where, uh, there isn't a team that is returning everybody that was a lead last year. There aren't any teams that had these cluster of freshmen like a Zion and an RJ and the Trey Jones and a Cam Reddish. And that's what it is. Uh, it's just, I think it's a little bit of a fluke year. And yes, I'm concerned about a little bit about like the long-term prognosis of college basketball because of the talent drain that I think that exists. I mean, it's totally understandable, right? If you have only the 10 years that you can play basketball professionally, probably that's about average. Uh, and that's the way that you're going to make your money. You can go as a 19-year-old and make like $100,000 playing overseas or uh, make $75,000 on a guaranteed deal um, as a two-way player, or whatever it is, in the NBA. Like, do it. I, I-, I don't think it's, wrong for those kids to make that decision, but it, uh, it it takes away from what we see at the college level, and at the end of the day, I think the sport itself is going to be fine simply because, you know, everybody roots for laundry at the end of the day, right? You're, you're rooting for the teams in those Iowa jerseys, and you're rooting against the team and the players in those Iowa state jerseys, regardless of who they are, but the quality of play is going to come down, and we're going to have more years like this where it's just kind of, it, nobody actually knows who's going to get
1: well, there is a team that I still feel is pretty good, even with a, a very tainted loss on their schedule, and that's the Duke Blue Devils. Look, if Duke wouldn't have lost that game to Stephen F. Austin, they'd be undefeated right now. We'd be talking about how oh, there's this clear delineation between Duke and everybody else. Vernon Carey might be the National Player of the Year. He's certainly treading that direction. You know Trey Jones, he knows how to run a team here. Duke's good. Just how good? And a team that hasn't won a regular season title in the ACC, and I I know ACC doesn't hand out regular season titles, but they still count, at least for me. With that, this Duke team, best team in the country, and is that gap significant?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that they are the best team in the country, and I know that Gonzaga is going to be the number one team mm-hmm. in the AP poll. Sure. And I, end up, I actually know what it's out right now, and Gonzaga is the number one team. They have 54 first place votes, so I'm one of nine people that voted uh, Duke as the number one team in the country, and my logic for that is this they have the best point guard, or at least arguably the best point guard in college basketball and trade jobs. They have arguably the best big man in college basketball and Bernie Carey. And then all of their wings, all of the guys in the in-between positions are really starting to figure things out. Like, Cassius Stanley has turned into a really, really good 3-and-D wing that I don't think anybody saw coming. You know, Wendell Moore was the, downright bad the first couple of times that I saw Duke play. And he's starting to figure things out a little bit. He's starting to put it together. And, and you know, it's a... Uh, it's almost like freshmen once they get their feet wet a little bit and get acclimated to college basketball, they get a little bit better. Matthew Hurt is making shots. Joey Baker has turned into an effective college basketball player. So, uh, I, I do think that Duke at this point is the best team in the country. And you know, if you I know you guys look at Kemba as much as I do, mm-hmm. and right now the gap between Duke and the number two team in the country, which is Kansas, is just about as big as the gap between the 2015 Kentucky team and the 2000, the, the number two team in college basketball this season on Camp Humble, which was Wisconsin. So uh, I do think that we're starting to see a little bit of separation for, uh, for Duke. And if they hadn't lost that game to Stephen F. Austin, then it wouldn't even be a conversation.
0: I want to talk about some, maybe some of the biggest surprises from a positive and negative. And look, North Carolina, due to their injuries, they're going to be in that negative step. But they they've got an asterisk, I think. But I don't think West Virginia does when it comes to boy, nobody saw this coming, especially after last year. What's Huggins got going on? I mean, Oscar's Oscar, he's been uh, he's been terrific. Uh, but what is Huggins doing? Um, maybe that no one thought that they'd be able to do because West Virginia, quite honestly, one of the better stories so far in college basketball.
2: I mean, they're just, they're defending is really all they do. They have two big guys in the paint that get like every single rebound. They know how to get those guys the ball. They take advantage of the fact that they have more size than anybody, and they defend. And, and and I think that's really what it comes down to. And uh, I'm I'm honestly not surprised that, Uh, Bob Huggins has found a way to kind of get an answer to what happened last season. And that's just because I don't uh, never bet against Bob Huggins. He's always going to find a way to reinvent himself and do mostly the same things, but change it up just enough so that he's actually able to win with the talent that he has on his roster. Like they're not pressing anymore. um, At least as much as they have in the past. And they're not, you know, they're not press Virginia. They're kind of winning games in the half court and being more physical and being more tough and kind of like the, a little bit more of the old-school Bobby Knight teams that we've seen. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob, uh, Bob Huggins teams that we've seen in the past. So um, it's it's not like he's reinventing the wheel. He's just kind of uh, doing things a little bit differently so that it highlights the fact that his teams have these big guys that are just unstoppable. Like, uh, I call him Big Cause I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The, uh, Oscar T, whatever his right. name is,
0: yep. is.
2: He's just he did in the first half at Kansas. He did to Yudoka Azubuki what Yudoka Azubuki has done to everybody else in college basketball. And now Bill Self did things that Bill Self does and had his little adjustment and changed the way that they ran ball screens and, and you know got four or five uh, lobs for Yudoka Azubuki that ended up winning them the game. But that doesn't take away from the fact that West Virginia went in there and basically beat up Kansas for for 25 or 30 minutes uh, in the Foggy field Fieldhouse, which is not easy to do.
1: Two undefeated teams left in college basketball. One Auburn, team that was a Final Four team a year ago, but lost their top three players from that squad. The other San Diego State, talk about under the radar, not many expectations, certainly on a national level for the Aztecs this year. Saw them out in Vegas when they took on the Hawkeyes. Malachi Flynn is an absolute mm-hmm. stunned running that team. But of those two, long-term, looking forward to the tournament, who do you like most to make a run and get maybe to a Final Four?
2: Oh, man, that's tough. Because I think Auburn is a little bit more dangerous because of the way that they play. Like they're, I think that they have a higher ceiling just because you know they shoot so many threes and uh, they're they're kind of a you know a little bit of a momentum team in the in the fact that they want to press and they want to turn you over and they want to run. And if they kind of get it to a rhythm like they did in last year's tournament, then they become very very good and very very tough to beat. But uh, I do think that San Diego State is probably a better basketball team overall. And I also think, like, there's a huge difference right now in what their resumes are. And this is going to sound very weird, but Auburn's resume tails in comparison to what San Diego State did. Now, I haven't looked at the net rankings today, so I don't know, if, like, if, if Utah State is still a top 75 team. But if Utah State is a top seven, they were 73rd on Saturday when they lost at home to San Diego State. So if they're still a top 75 team, then San Diego State has five, uh, five quadrant one wins. Right. And that is the most of anybody in college basketball tied with Kansas. Auburn hasn't even played a quadrant one opponent. You know, they, they're one of these teams that has like their, their strength of schedule numbers are really, really high because they've played a whole bunch of teams that are like pretty good and pretty solid, like Richmond's and New Mexico's and, uh, and kind of teams of that, and like an NC State teams of that caliber, but they haven't actually beaten anybody that will go down as a marquee on their resume, and I don't know how many chances they're actually going to get in the SEC, because they have kind of stinks, <laughs> right? So, if Kentucky figures it out, then that's definitely going to be a chance for them to get a marquee win, but who else in the, the SEC is good? Florida's like, been a huge disappointment, huh? Yeah. Massive disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, You know, Auburn just went into Mississippi State and beat Mississippi State pretty handily on a day where Auburn did not really play all that well. Um, I, you know, beyond that, like, is LSU, Arkansas, like, is anybody mm-hmm. really going to care all that much if you win those games or win those games on the road so uh, I think that in all honesty like I think that San Diego State probably has a better chance to get to a Final Four simply because I think that San Diego State you know they're going to be pretty big favorites in every game they play the rest of the season right their, their toughest games are like at Nevada and at UNLV and at New Mexico and none of those teams are uh, even close to the at-large radar at this point so we could be looking at San Diego State going into the NCAA tournament undefeated. Like, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that this could be a 2014 Wichita State situation. And if San Diego State is a number one seed, then they automatically are going to have a better chance to get to a Final Four than Auburn will at I don't know what they'll end up as, like a three, four seed somewhere around there. So I think Auburn's probably more dangerous, but I do think that San Diego State, like they're they're very, very legit. Like you said, they have a stud at the point, Malachi Flynn. They can make three. They are really, really, really tough defensively. They're really well coached. So uh, that team is no joke.
0: Uh, I want to go to the Big Ten with you. Michigan State. They they opened up a canyon against in-state uh, rival Michigan yesterday. Winston was unstoppable. I'm still hitching my wagon to the Terps. I know t- every time I say that, Trent throws uh, the Terzian factor out there. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're I think they're a really good basketball team. Who else, uh, Rob? In the in the Big Ten, I'm kind of with Trent that Ohio State's got some pieces, but there seems to be something missing there. I like Rutgers; they got some guys. I'm not saying they're going to be there at the end. I think Illinois has got some dudes. Kofi Coburn is unbelievable; he is so much fun to watch play. Help me out with the Big Ten. You like my Maryland pick, and then kind of you know go to the middle of that conference. And how do you see that shaking out?
2: I do not like your Maryland pick, and I hope that you don't hit your wagon to. Uh to that train because I don't want to see you go down and sling. Told you, Ken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the thing about Maryland is like I want them to be good and their roster says that they should be good and they have all the pieces that they think they are going to be good but it just feels like there is a disconnect there somewhere and, uh, and yeah, I'm not convinced uh, you know, I'm just not going to bet on a Mark Turgeon team until I see a Mark Turgeon team um, prove themselves worthy of being bet on if that makes sense. Uh, I, I think that Michigan State's the best team in that conference. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the best player in, in all of college basketball, and Cassius Winston, when he's right. I think that Xavier Tillman is uh, as good as kind of like that short role big man um, to, to put into ball screens with Cassius Winston as anybody in college basketball. And it feels like the rest of the guys are starting to figure things out. a little. Bit. You know, Aaron Henry uh, was a little bit of a disappointment early on in the season. Gabe Brown was clearly... Still getting his feet under him, uh, but they're they're getting better. And and the thing about it that we didn't want to talk about or that wasn't discussed enough in the preseason was just how valuable Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins were to that program because of you know the things that they could do and the fact that they were both seniors and the fact that they both uh basically could like coach that team on the floor without Tom Izzo being there. You know they were able to make shots, they were really good defensively, they didn't make mistakes, they didn't turn the ball over. They were key cogs in that machine that just made everything else work. And um, losing them and replacing them with the likes of, like, Rocket Watts and and Marcus Bingham and and Malik Hall, those guys are going to be really good players down the road, but they're not really good players right now, at least they weren't at the very start of the season. So uh, we should have seen... Michigan State taking lumps early on. Like, we should have predicted that. We probably should have been smarter about uh, how valuable those role guys they lost were. Um, But now that they have everything clicking, and and to me, like, as much as anything else, like, not only did they have some of those growing pains and some of those issues with being young, but, like, Cassius Winston was not himself, man. And and that's not a shot at him. Like, it's understandable. Um, Like, the kids obviously going through something very, very difficult and very traumatic and something you wouldn't wish on anybody. And everybody's grieving process is a little bit different, and it actually got me a little fired up, man. Like I, I saw that um, like Ken Pomeroy had a tweet where he was saying like, forget all your narratives or whatever. But the, like Michigan State's one of the top three teams in the country, and it's just like Cassius Winston not being able to uh, function as well as he normally does because he's mourning the loss of his brother is not a narrative. That's a fact, but Cassius Winston was not right. Right, and I, I was talking with someone on the Michigan State staff about it. after after the Illinois game. I was I sent him a text and I was like, Well, Xavier Tillman, that's that's one of the best games I think I've ever seen him play in college." I was like, "It looks like he's he's back to being Xavier Tillman again." And the response I got was uh, Xavier Tillman's biggest issue was that Cassius wasn't right, mm-hmm. and when Cassius went like because of everything that's going on in that offense and the way they build it around him, when he is not himself, it brings everything else down because he's so important to what they want to do and how they, they're able to do it. So um, hopefully, like this, this what we saw against Michigan was a sign that Cassius Winston is enjoying playing basketball again. And and um, I, like, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that, that he's forgotten his brother's death or whatever, but if he's legitimately gotten to a point where He's kind of enjoying life again, and, and basketball makes him happy. And, and he's able to go out there and play uh, in the memory and, and in honor of his brother instead of having to play through the pain of, of grieving that loss. Like, if he's in a place where he that, that playing the sport makes him happy again and we get to see him do what he, do what he loves and uh, do what he does so well, like, I think even Michigan fans, I think, will even say that's probably a good thing. And they'll... they'll uh, be happy for the kid just you know maybe next time don't put 32 on them
0: and talk to you next week rob doster thanks for what you do for us appreciate it
2: always a pleasure guys
0: good to talk to you rob doster nbcsports.com college basketball talk scott Dockerman. we haven't talked to hawks we'll do that when we come back miller and condon till noon 14 our mission Welcome back, Miller and Cotton in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get Scott Dockerman in here. I know that he and Mark Morehouse are in the midst of recording their On Iowa podcast. We appreciate Doc taking time away from Mark to spend with Trent and myself. How are you, Scott Dockerman? Thanks for coming on.
3: Oh, thanks, and uh, I am well. We uh, actually got in one more question on our, on our uh, Twitter questions. Thanks to you guys being just a little bit delayed, so... uh <laughs> thank you for postponing that and adding added a little more time to our podcast
0: mostly football give us kind of a, an outline what you and mark are going to do mostly football with some hoops 50 50 60 40 what do people want to talk about what do, what do they want you and mark to opine on
3: 100 percent football wow. um, we're that's pretty much what we are at yep. you know i mean now if we get a basketball question we'll answer it and stuff but but right now we're just kind of looking ahead and you know, waiting for a couple of, of official decisions, but you know that's. Uh, I think we kind of know where the path's going on that, and kind of looking ahead at uh, personnel and, and recapping the year, the, the bowl game, and and looking ahead to the spring.
1: Well, it's going to be certainly an interesting off season. The quarterback position still will be uh, the big topic of the off season. AJ Epenesa, there continues to be these murmurs, these rumblings, these. Maybe this is a more difficult decision than people are anticipating. I know Mark's had his tweets out there, your partner on the Iowa, on Iowa podcast. Your thoughts. Do you think there's still a chance that he comes back?
3: There's always a chance until it's official, but I would say no. Okay. I think he's gone, and, and he's, uh, he, uh, you know, they're just kind of waiting it's, to make their announcement. But no, I don't think he's coming back. I think it's wishful thinking. Both he and, and Tristan Wirfs are going to be – Top ten, top twelve yeah. p- picks of the draft. Uh, it would be foolish for them to to return. And you know, I, I mean, I was looking at like if you're number eight overall, <clears throat> made it. You know, I mean, that's like twenty four million dollar contract, sixteen million dollars signing bonus. So, I think they would be foolish to turn that down. You know, they can they love the Hawks from afar, but, uh, <laughs> you know, right now they want to get paid.
0: Uh, what about uh, changes to the staff? Uh, we haven't heard anything regarding an extension for O'Keefe. Will that happen? Uh, any changes to Coach Ferrance's staff?
3: I really don't think so. Now, coming up this month, you've got the co- Coaches' Convention in Nashville. There's always that's. You know, as you can imagine, that all the the nights in the bars in Nashville, there'll be discussions, and I'm sure there's a few uh, coaches on the staff who might want to eye a different type of scenario for themselves in the future. But I, I can't, I really don't think anybody's going to leave. I think Ken wants to stay. I think he's got a couple of pretty good prospects there. He's got some stability. Um, he hasn't had to take any heat, <laughs> not like he did in his right. first tenure. so I, I don't I really don't think he'd leave, but you know I, I could see him riding out with Kirk, however much longer that is.
1: He's also gushed Ken O'Keefe has when he's talked about Spencer Petrus, at least reading the quotes that you had in your article talking about it and some of the others seems like O'Keefe he is uh, very excited about the future of Spencer Petrus.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of people that are excited about the future of Spencer Petras. I know, talking to Brandon Smith uh, you know, at the bowl game, he's like, he's got a cannon. you guys are gonna <laughs> see it. And he's and he was kind of like had a big smile on his face, and you know, he's just got really an engaging personality to him, um, fun-loving guy, but you know, very studious when it comes to football. He's, he's really fascinating because you know, what's the same Marin Catholic as Jared Goff in California. And uh, his head coach you know, told him way back when, when Bobby LeJesse made a flight out there, he said, hey, I've never seen a high school kid with that kind of arms since John Elway.
0: Hmm. And that
3: includes his own Jared Goff. So uh, this guy has got a gun. He can throw anywhere on the field. It's just going to be a matter of uh, probably catching up to the speed of the game to make sure his timing's right. And that might take him a little bit of time, but uh, with this wide receiver core in him, I think they're in pretty good hands.
0: Uh, use your term, catching up. Has the has the West caught up with the East as far as, I mean, look, Ohio State seemingly is on a, a level all by themselves. But then it gets interesting after that if you were to do, you know, a power ranking the entire conference. I think, I thought, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people felt the same way, that the West made significant strides to closing the gap on the East. And let's face it, Doc, it's been a big talker the last couple of years. Uh, the East is so much better than the West. I think the West had a really good year as far as closing that gap. Yeah,
3: that always frustrated me because, Other than Ohio State, it's really even. It's almost exclusively even. You know, you've got, in this case, uh, you you know, Wisconsin and Penn State are very close. And if they would have played this year, it would have been the same. Yeah, I think that you just throw out Ohio State. And, you know, it was the same way with legends and leaders as
0: well. You
3: know, Ohio State just tips the field in every regard. I mean, the last five years. They're 40 and four in, in conference play and next best is Wisconsin at 34 and 10. So, you know, they, they tip the field, but yeah, the West can compete. I mean, Penn State loses at Minnesota. Uh, you've seen, you know, uh, Michigan lose at Iowa in the past and Ohio State even losing at Iowa and, and Purdue. So I think this is a pretty close, um, you know, the, you know, divisions, you know, and the other thing is that Rutgers is the complete opposite. They set the bell curve the other way. They're 44 and 40. The last five years, so uh, there's nobody in the West is like Rutgers, and nobody in the West is like Ohio State. Everybody else pretty well even. So I, I think that, but I, but what they did in their bowl games, you know, really sets the the tone for the off season. And Wisconsin just barely coming close, and then Iowa and Minnesota winning their bowl games, I think, really sets a different tone.
1: What happens this off season with Oliver Martin? It was such a talker mm, throughout the summer, yeah. into August. He gets out there, we see him on the field a little bit early on. Injury maybe played a part here. I don't even know if he saw the field in the Holiday Bowl victory against USC. What is this offseason like, and is there a path to him finding playing time?
3: Um, it might be difficult for him. Uh, you know, uh, They've got a really good receiving core. Yep. I mean, this foursome is as good as they've ever had. Uh, they're, they're the most explosive receiving corps potentially in Iowa history and, and in the Big Ten, so he's going to have to make sure that he competes with them and uh and and forces them to play him and he did early on he did a nice job and he got dinged up and you know didn't wasn't able to play wasn't even able to suit up for the holiday bowl but you know he's got talent and i think he's got a chance to to see some action but um you know those four aren't the only other ones i mean desmond hudson's a really good player they really like him and and uh so they've, they've got a really deep receiving pool we've never said that before about iowa but that's the case now and and so he's going to have to force the action. If he can't, then he's not going to play. But, uh, you know, he has a talent, and I, I expect him to see, you know, some some action. You know, is that going to be on special teams? Is that going to be as a punt returner or a kick returner? Well, you know, he's got a full offseason now to, to make his case.
0: Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, your most recent piece, unless there's been one since we've gone on the air, uh, had to do with uh, Iowa basketball, what to expect from Iowa the rest of the season. Um Look at, we, we saw a, just a terrific game against Penn State. I, I shudder to think if anything happens to Garza or to Weisskamp, I know Connor McCaffrey apparently is sick and he's now a question mark tomorrow. Thankfully, it's Nebraska that they're sharing Carver-Hawkeye with tomorrow night, so that shouldn't hurt them. Um, what do you expect, Doc? What do you expect out of this Iowa team that I think has exceeded most expectations and is way tougher uh, than any of McCaffrey's teams seemingly uh, that he's had since he's been. Been here
3: It's going to be about can they weather those those issues. You know, CJ Frederick in his ankle, uh, Connor McCaffrey getting sick. Uh, uh, you know, just the the little things, foul trouble on the road. Uh, you know, that's those the, the short bench is going to be an issue for Iowa. I mean, they're not necessarily a very athletic team in the backcourt, and I think that will also show up. But they play really well together, and their offense is best, is the, running the best it ever has. And that's not necessarily in just a points perspective, but an efficiency rate. And and you know, Luca Garz is a big part of that, obviously. And I think Joe Wieskamp is too. It's just uh, you know what they have shown me is this is the most mentally tough team under the Fran McCaffrey era by far. That they're, they they go on the road and compete in tough environments, not wilt, not turn the ball over, and make it kill them. You know, they've had some significant turnovers the last two games against major opponents Cincinnati and Penn State, but yet they've been able to battle back. Can they do that over the next 17 games in Big Ten play? That's going to be tough, but I think they're capable of doing it. And, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, the other day, 24 lead changes, 10 ties against Penn State. Uh, you know, they, they played a quality game against a quality opponent because they are both ranked. Uh, but, you know, the... You know, going to Nebraska tomorrow, playing Fred Hoiberg for the first time, and then uh, you know later this week against Maryland, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. If they can respond and look good doing it, then I don't think there's going to be any concerns. Uh, if they don't, then I think you're going to kind of wonder, you know, is this team going to have enough gas to last the rest of the
0: season? Yeah,
1: games in Lincoln, my mistake. Oh, Go right. defensively, this uh, this team still is going to give up points. You mentioned some of the limitations in that backcourt and what they can do, though, Tucson Good defender. Frederick is, if healthy, good defender. Hmm. They can be a little bit better on that end. Still, they switch. They match up. They do a bunch of different things with the zone. What do you think is their best defense? When they're on that side of the floor, what is Iowa at their best?
3: If they can get in the half court and play 2-3, I think they're okay because it kind of masks any kind of limitations in a lot of cases. Uh, You know, I think Luca Garza is, is a pretty good zone defender. And I think they can defend the ball better that way. You know, you know, granted, the one-three-one is pretty good for them too when they are able to use it. But that's more of a trap and stuff. So, uh, yeah, but you know, I think Fran's done a nice job over the years of fixing those defenses because they're not necessarily a man-man team. They just don't. They struggle in that from time to time, and then uh, you know, and it showcases your your limitations. And I think this case, two-three zone, is probably their best one.
0: Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. When will the podcast uh, be up on Iowa Podcast with you and Mark that you are in the process of doing right now? When will it be finished and posted, do you think?
3: Uh, Sometime this afternoon. So everybody check it out.
0: Absolutely will. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from the Athletics sounds a little stuffed up. Mm-hmm. Winter cold season is upon us. Well, what's also upon us, Trent Conant, is the final bowl game, if you will. We've got a couple ah. of championships still to play. Um, the FCS Saturday, ten thirty or 11, do you know?
1: I don't know time yet. You know what? Hand. Let me look. Let You're going to find it yeah, there. Yeah, to get the five. Uh, North Dakota State James Madison. Is uh, the 11 a.m. ABC. Ooh, ABC for that.
0: That's ABC, nice. ABC. And of course, a week from tonight will be the national. Ge- By the way, Sporting News, they've got like, I don't know how many guys they polled. Four or six of their, I don't know, whatever the number is of their writers. All double digit Clemson winners. Really? No. All double digit LSU winners. Okay. That makes more sense. Makes
1: more sense, certainly yes. in my mind. Yeah. You think we're going to see a good game? I
0: hope so. I think, yes, I, I do think so. I do think so. I give Clemson a big chance in the football game. A chance? No, I give my, I mean, I, I would not be as surprised at all if they're holding the trophy at the end.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I'm they know thinking, how to win. They do. I think LSU's just a lot better. I've been so impressed this last month, them defensively, mm-hmm. how it's not Who a... Okay. <laughs> right. Who has better receivers?
0: Well, it's true, but I'm just saying the quarterback is, it's, I mean, Burrow and Lawrence? Right. They're one, two. Yeah, and I, and I mean, Lawrence is, I think ceiling is higher. I don't know. Possibly. I mean,
1: Burrow has done something
0: we've never oh, seen. Oh, not. It sounds like I'm killing the guy, and I've been more impressed. It's been unbelievable to watch him play. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good. I really do. We got a week to talk about. It. Let's we not do it all now. So tonight's so, uh, game.
1: down Miami of Ohio. No, I don't
0: want to do that. I want to do Mr. Monday Nights Bet. And What's the number? Louisiana
1: Lafayette. What? Couple two of touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, fourteen. This was part of my picks on Friday. So this oh, is for that's a right. Week. You took
0: because you're two and two. Two and two. Did you hit your best bet? I did. Who was your best bet? Houston.
1: Yes. Okay. Texans. Yeah. Hair on fire.
0: Right. Right. Uh, mine was Seattle, so I was a little hair on fire at the end. Yes, there. that one came. Down uh, I thought to the McCown end. had a path to the end zone when Jadavian Clown. He
1: did have a path.
0: Yeah, it just wasn't. He <laughs> was <yeah>. fast <laughs> enough to get there. <laughs> wasn't a ten yard path. It
1: was a one yard path. Uh, big Monday, though not officially starts tonight. Does start tonight in college basketball? But yeah, is
0: there a big? Yeah, I, I looked. It's West Virginia, Oklahoma State, right? Yes. Want to see mm. that
1: Oklahoma State team how they bounce back after what happened to them against Texas Tech? Isn't it funny we were throwing dirt on Texas Tech early the Hell. season? Different team. Yeah, Beard can coach. Yeah, no, there's no question you about that. You know what's nuts? I mean, he is... Chris Beard at Texas Tech has now talked about... He's not Shashevsky. He's not Behan, But he is a top 10 coach in college basketball. Is that fair? Took him two years ago to, to their first ever Elite Eight. Takes mm-hmm. him last year to a regular season title, ending the streak of Kansas, and to a minute away from winning Boy, a national championship. there's a lot of
0: big names in college basketball. Is he a top 10 at this, I don't know. I, let me think about it. it. has to be in the conversation. Yeah, he's close to that
1: number for sure. For sure. Um, but, yeah. but regardless of that, where, wherever you place him, top mm. 10, 15, well, are 20. different. What's the kid's,
0: how do you say how do you say Ramsey's first name? Starts with a J. I mean, different mm. team when he's on the floor. Yes.
1: Um, but yeah, Ramsey's a hell of a player. He's only been a head coach for five years at the D1 level. Wow. This is his fifth year. Mm-hmm. Do you include UNLV as a stop? (laughs) Didn't count. Didn't coach a game. (laughs) No. Five years, though. Little Rock beat Purdue in that first round. Great game. Came down to the wire. Goes to Texas Tech. And all he's done is take them to Elite Eight for the first time ever. Final Four for the first time ever. National Championship game Mm. for the first time ever. A regular season title. A second place finish the other. And he's doing it with... Decent Young roster this year. Young roster. Completely changing the parts. I mean, he went the grad transfer route for a couple of guys last year worked out incredibly well. He's got to be up there. what, what a story. But with Chris Level, our Texas yep, Tech guy that yep. we have on and trying to qu- kind of equate what this is. There's no Texas Tech fan that really thought this was possible. Really? That no. this was possible our basketball programs going to be this. Well, he's made he's made Texas Tech as much of a basketball school as a football school in no the
0: doubt. state of Texas, right? Not easy to do. No, down there. I'll say, I'll say. All right. So tomorrow on the program, I can't wait for this. He's one of my guys, and 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 Trent placates me. Stephen M. Sipple's going to look. It's Iowa versus Nebraska tomorrow night. So there's my built-in excuse to talk to my friend Sip. Uh huh. So we'll do that. We'll talk about the Big Ten West. Get his thoughts on bowl season. He watched it from. He actually wrote a really good piece, and he's got a piece, I don't know if it's posted already, doing a piece on Hayden Fry and reached out to Tom Osborne mm. for some stuff. So uh, we'll, get, we'll pick Sip's brain on basketball and football tomorrow. Zuba Mehente's here, and hopefully Vinny Iyer, because that championship of Jeopardy yes. starts tomorrow. And Vinny covers the NFL for the sporting news, but he's a three-time Jeopardy champion. Smartest guy on our program. Without a doubt.
1: Certainly when it's us three talking. That's for certain.
0: Uh, We will be back tomorrow, but there's plenty of local programming yet today. Murph and Andy at two, the Fanatics at four, and the Morning Rush will start at tomorrow at six. Thanks for being here, Fort.